Hi, I'm Ollie. And I'm Kendall. And this is The Group Project. The Group Project is a podcast telling people's stories about making a difference in the world. Today, our guest is Ilan Kayatsky from the Goldman Environmental Prize. We talked to Ilan about how he came to work at the prize and ways that his involvement has affected him personally. You can follow us on Instagram at MakeOneChange, and please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Let's jump into our conversation with Elon. Today we are talking with Elon Kayatsky, who is the Communications Director of the Goldman Environmental Prize. Thanks for joining us, Elon. Thanks for having me. So we always start out with a little introduction uh, about yourself. So can you give us a little bit of your background and tell us about yourself and then how you came to be involved with the Goldman Prize? Sure thing. Um, so I've been at the Goldman Environmental Prize for about seven, eight months now. And um, before that, I worked in various capacities in journalism, as a writer, um, worked for a member of Congress in New York uh, as a communications director and, um, and a, you know, director in his district office, and, um, and as well as at the Jewish Community Federation, which is a foundation in San Francisco that does uh, Jewish social service uh, and educational cultural programming. And I um, came here last year in the, in the midst of, I think, what, what a lot of people were feeling in 2017 after the uh, election and with a lot of uh, uh, feeling of sort of helplessness and, and disorder and chaos and all kinds of other strong feelings that are hard to assimilate and, and direct um, of wanting to, to, to be involved in something um, uh, sort of deliberately providing meaning and purpose in my life that I related to. And, um, and that's not a, a, a diss of anything I was doing before, but I felt like I wanted to, um, to make a change and, and, and support something that, um, I could feel my, my sort of impact uh, a little more directly. So the, the Goldman prize is, um, something I was only vaguely aware of and, and I had not been specifically involved in environmental work, uh, previously, um, but had, uh, strong feelings and opinions and concerns. Um, and, um, it's proved a great fit for me. Um, the impact of the foundation is pretty great. Um, in, in sort of backdrop of, um, not just disorder in the world, but of, you know, rampant greed and, and, um, malevolent forces doing all kinds of things. It's easy to feel helpless and lost and, um, unsure what our roles are and, and what's most helpful. And, um, and I think what the prize, um, gives me and, and my coworkers and, and many of the people who, um, who follow its work is inspiration is a sense that here's all these terrible things happening sort of by the usual suspects as it's been happening through much of history, um, greed and economic forces and self-interest and all these things lead people to, um, do bad things in the world. And, um, and it's often easy to get away with those things if you are, um, 
powerful or connected to the powerful or have the wealth to, to protect you or have those kind of connections and um, and people in the face of those things have uh, pretty uh, long odds at, at fighting back a lot of the times against those things and yet here we are if you look all over the world and sometimes you don't even have to look far you find people who um, are not um, silenced or uh, powerless in the face of these overwhelming odds, but actually um, start things. Um, and in the case of the prize, these are regular people like you and me who say, oh, this terrible thing is happening in my backyard. Uh, it's pretty unacceptable for all these reasons. And even though it seems crazy that I could do anything, I'm just going to start something. Um, it takes that initial um, sort of conviction and courage and and then lo a grassroots movement is born. One person starts this thing and it has this multiplier effect and all the other people come on board and and in in the work of the prize itself we're finding people who have who are deep into this process um of fighting back and these are people who have actually won. Maybe they didn't win everything and maybe the battle goes on, but they've won a significant battle and, and they have a significant achievement, meaning that they've actually um, fought back and uh, and stood on a level or above uh, that of their adversaries and and um, made change in the world and made an impact in their communities and and they're truly inspirational and, and they give us the possibility to not think about um, all the terrible things happening in the world, but all of the people who exist everywhere in every country in every community like them who um, who are not cowed by uh, by um, these these forces, and um, and who actually stood up and made something happen. So, the you kind of talk about um, what the prize recognizes. So, that is 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 the prize a recognition of that particular person or um, small group of people sometimes, right? Um, who have overcome those odds or have had that victory. Um, is that what the prize is, this prize is specifically recognizing or, um, are there specific criteria, I guess, for the, uh, determining the prize recipients? Sure. The, um, the prize recognizes an individual person, or sometimes it's a, a pair of people who were central to a, um, a campaign or a movement that was successful. So, um, so obviously, in any uh, campaign or movement, there are many, many people um, who are critical to making it happen. Um, we find what we believe are the central figures, who were the catalysts and leaders, and the um, um, the really crucial people involved in these things. Um, so the prize does recognize just individuals or pairs um, who have had a successful grassroots uh, campaign uh, in the environmental realm, uh, protecting their their land or community or resources or uh, uh, or otherwise. One thing that I like about the prize is that it's a voice of support and positive feedback um, to people who have been fighting. Um, against these enormous obstacles. And I watched some of the um, 
recipient videos. And I was so moved just watching those um, that you see these people who are obviously have such an internal strength and will. um, And then you see them in the face of people who are supporting them, just such a softness come over them um, that they themselves are touched um, in the face of feeling supported. Um, Yeah, I guess... (laughs) Yeah, I think like I think that that's such a special thing um just in my experience. So th- the way that I actually um met Elon was I work uh for a company that uh works with um their website. And so I've uh been uh exposed that way and so I've been able to see the different um prize winners over the years and things like that. So uh, that's been a cool exposure for me. But um, seeing that is, um, yeah, like what Molly said, just their strength and their um, humility, but also like, I don't know, do you have any um, maybe specific examples, Elon, of um, ways that you've seen recipients um, or you've interacted with them uh, that have been impactful for you personally? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think in, in many ways, I'm like everyone else watching these these stories and listening to these stories and reading these stories, um, even though I was involved in helping to tell them, you know, just in the case of this, this last cohort uh, uh, in April, um, it's very uncynical for me. Um, you know, my job is to help tell their stories, to help uh, cut out all the, the BS and, and extraneous information and, and simplify a little bit the stories so, so we can tell these stories and show these stories and, um, and be effective in doing so to support their work and their campaigns and whatever they're trying to do. Um, um, but I'm as effective by the stories as everyone else. So when I had the opportunity to work with all the prize winners this year and to um, you know, go through this whole process um, of telling their stories and then finally at the end, you know, meet them for the first time just in, uh, in April, um, you know, a month ago, um, I was genuinely inspired um, all the way along. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that lightly. Um, it's sort of, you realize um, that people have sacrificed a lot um, to to do what they do, and 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 that puts them on this higher plane. Perhaps they are ordinary people, but they are people who have um, elected to um, put their love of their communities and their environments sort of over their own personal immediate needs and and often their own safety. Uh, many of them had, you know, death threats and, and intimidation and harassment. And um, our Colombian prize winner, Francia Marquez, had, actually had to leave her community and, and, and seek protection, you know, um, to get around um, because of the threats against her. And she's a particularly impressive person. Just the, her her core constitution, which is one of knowing very well who she is and where she came from. In her case, she's an Afro-Colombian woman from the rural part of southern Colombia. 
Um, and, and I heard her a million times talk about her story, sometimes in interviews, sometimes, uh, you know, just telling me, sometimes um, in other contexts, formal and informal. And each time, she, she didn't ever express annoyance at having to retell her story. Um, and each time, she told her story consistently the same. And I don't mean the same in a repetitive way. I mean the same as she felt deeply what she was saying. It wasn't some intellectual exercise and talking points that she had memorized. She knew who her community was and and what made them special and and gave them life, uh, which includes the uh, the river and the mountains and the you know the the natural uh, land uh, provides so many things to her community. Um, she was very connected to that in a way that certainly is beyond my immediate comprehension as someone who grew up in the Bay Area and, and you know, doesn't have that connection to nature. Um, and um, and she told that story in a, in a way that you can easily understand. Here's her community, her people, and, and the land. They're all connected. And uh, the land was under threat, and the river that provided life to her community was under threat. Uh, because of these um, unscrupulous, greedy folks who were supported by elements of her own uh, government and by multinational corporations and all this greed and all these other things that, you know, those are just the bad actors of the moment in this particular story, but they can be, you know, kind of reproduced all over the world in different versions. And But her story was clear that she was doing what she needed to do and had that conviction to do so, even if it was unsafe for her um, because it needed to be done, and um, and she showed me, you know, through her example, what is a real leader, um, not someone who necessarily is elected or is uh, chosen, um, you know, formally, but someone who who takes upon themselves the, the struggles of her her community, and um, and becomes single focused in in making those those changes that need to happen happen. So she she certainly inspired me. Um, getting to know her and, and understanding how she came to be where she is. Um, what have you learned or how have you been changed by working um, with the different Goldman Prize people? Yeah, I think either both by folks, the recipients, or mm-hmm. like folks within the prize, other colleagues or other folks that you're um, encounter? Um, well, it's really awesome to work at a place where, um, I mean, I think I, I feel very fortunate, um, where we all have a similar mission. I mean, I mean, mission in the sense more of kind of purpose. Um, I didn't come from an environmental background, and I wasn't even aware that I would work in this capacity. Um, but I've come here, and it's clear to me what we're doing and why and, and, and the benefit in the world. So it gives me sort of strength and energy in a way I think other people feel also who work here. And I think uh, as I get to know the environmental community and all these, you know, all these many great nonprofits and people who do this work and the funders um, who they rely on and, and just all the different parts of it, um, people are really motivated by um, um, a core desire to make the world a better place that's, uh, you know, uh, real. Um, and um, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate that that sort of uh, um, 
connection, which I didn't feel before. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of the question. Um, well, I I don't remember the second part, but I do have kind of a, maybe a follow up to what you were just saying. Is like, are there things where you feel like your exposure or interaction with this new community of you know environmental um, organizers or activists or um, what have you has you've made personal changes in your own life that that might reflect um, differing or emerging views? Um, yeah, I think it's still new, and I think a lot of the changes are more kind of abstract or philosophical. Like you know, I'm not all of a sudden um, uh, donating money to environmental causes, uh, you know, just yet. Uh, or anything like that. Um, it's more kind of a feeling, um, and um, and you sort of absorb the the inspiration and the lessons you learn from these folks. Um, uh, just just the sort of um, personal sacrifice and leadership that people take. Um, that kind of reminds you um, of some sort of moral truth in the, in in the universe. I'm not a spiritual person or a religious person, but it, you know, it, 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 there's a certain grounding um, you get being around people who are connected to nature and who understand the connectivity of things. Um, I appreciate that, just sort of generally. Um, and then, you know, it's made me more aware of certain uh, things that I may poo-pooed before in terms of environmental things and issues and and, and sustainability and. Um, you know, my wife bought some fish the other day, and and it occurred to me that I'd just been learning um, through um, our prize winner Claire Nuvion from France, who had um, campaigned to eliminate deep sea bottom trawling from the North Atlantic, um, and I learned all about the uh, um, different methods of fishing and, and destructive fishing practices, and there's a huge difference. Um, from one practice to the other and what's sustainable and what's not sustainable. And so, you know, I never would have asked this before, but I asked my wife, you know, what type of fish she got and was sustainable and she checked. And uh, she, of course, was ahead of me and she had already checked and knew and was, you know, making good decisions. And that's not something that I had ever taken into account before. So, yeah, those little things, that they do come up. One thing that I wanted to ask, too, like folks get uh, or um – are nominated for the prize, um, receive the prize, and go through that process. Like you said, you mentioned there's a an event in April um, that just happened, and then from here on out, the recipients, both the current group and previous recipients, is there a community of recipients uh, that kind of exists, and um, how do you all go about supporting them and then also they support, how do they support each other? Great question. Um, yeah, that's a growing part of our work, which is that we, um, with the prize, we give them, um, you know, a cash award. We give them a lot of, uh, publicity and, uh, exposure and help, um, you know, in, in the public sphere, advancing their, their campaigns to the media and, otherwise, and some other sort of 
capacity building support and meetings with uh, other nonprofits or elected officials. So we do all those things right at the prize. And then after the prize, um, when we're not in you know, constant communication with them, the goal is to stay in touch and support them in whatever way they, they um, want our support for. So some people you know, really don't want more. Some people um, want to stay involved. And so that has meant we've grown a networking program, um, which is we um, help subsidize and support folks going to conferences and to um, workshops and trainings and, and meetings around the world. Um, sometimes regionally, so sometimes folks in um, uh, one region will, will travel to a conference in their own region. Uh, for instance, next week we are supporting 26 uh, former prize winners uh, go to an e-law conference in Arusha, Tanzania. So these are 26 primarily African prize winners um, who will go to this major conference um, and our goal in doing that is really to advance the work um, that they're doing to create uh, new possibilities by getting them together, um, to advance the field in general um, of environmentalism and, and you know, provide thought leadership through these brilliant people. And ELA um, is environmental law, is that right? Uh, it's environmental, I'm sorry, I don't remember the... Uh, what the acronym stands for, but yet it's it's, uh, it's legal um, support for environmental activists okay. around the world. It's yeah. based actually in Portland, oh, cool. um, or maybe somewhere else in Oregon. It's based, um, yeah, it's based in the states, and um, but they're global and and they support um, uh, um, all kinds of uh, legal aspects of environmental activism. So it's a great meeting of the minds, and so our our role as we see it in, in getting people together, it's beyond networking. Networking is, is, is not just, uh, you know, uh, expanding your own portfolio, but it's all kinds of, of important things that create new energy and ideas and partnerships. And, and that is a critical part of what we do is getting people together um, to work together and to exchange ideas and to be part of a community, even if they're not one in uh, you know the physical sense that they recognize that they're all part of something larger, um, and so we work hard to create that feeling, um, and I think a lot of people feel it automatically, um, and um, rely on one another and sign each other's petitions and visit each other and, and uh, check in on on issues that they share. Um, so we have a listserv for 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 president or alumni and um, other things that we do to. to stay in touch and keep people uh, connected. And it's a challenge. There's 188 people around the world in all kinds of different uh, situations and, you know, degrees to, to which they communicate uh, online. And um, But we do our best, and, uh, and we think, you know, people benefit a lot from getting to, to be connected and stay connected. I have a question for people who are hearing about um, the Goldman Prize winners and just are hear about other people who are doing um, big work to try to make positive change. Um, but in particular, the the Goldman Prize winners are recipients. Um, how, how can people support the work that they're doing? Yeah, good question. Um, this is uh, an important part of 
um, what we do and how we um, um, sort of culminate in the in the prize ceremony and the um, actual you know, presentation of the of the award um, in April, which is to find out from each individual prize winner how um, how people can support them. And it's not always an easy question to answer because um, everyone has a very different uh, circumstance. Um, some people have uh, no organization or no infrastructure or, or, or anything, um, so it's very hard to directly um, communicate with them, let alone um, you know, play a role. Um, other folks have, you know, are part of larger organizations and networks around issues that are very well developed. Um, so it really spans the whole spectrum there. And um, so what we do our best to do is to identify for every prize winner two or three things that really are helpful. Um, and, um, and, you know, the obvious thing uh, that people can do for anybody who has an organization or a specific campaign is to, is to send money, you know, donate. Um, and, um, but for, for not everyone is that, it's not possible for everyone to do that. Um, sometimes it's hard to donate money across uh, international borders, or they may not have an organization, or it may be more informal. So it's not an option for everybody. Other people, um, it's really about um, uh, advocacy. You know, uh, uh, Leanne Walters, who is our prize winner this year from Flint, Michigan, who. Um, exposed the, uh, the Flint water crisis. She has um, a major goal, which is to change the EPA's lead and copper rule. Um, right now, the EPA's rule has a lot of um, loopholes. There's some, some lack of clarity in how you're supposed to do water testing and what you can and can't do as a municipality or a jurisdic jurisdiction that's testing water. Um, to, to, to reveal uh, uh, lead and other contaminants. And, um, and she found that in Flint, the lead and copper rule was uh, followed uh, in a way that yielded improper testing by the city and by the uh, state. So when she actually went to testing um, the water, um, she used much more rigorous standards and a more rigorous interpretation of the lead and copper rule, and um, which yielded the, the the true results, which showed you know horrible contamination. Um, and so she wants the EPA to update the rule so you can't exploit, you can't go around it. Um, and my understanding that certain cities and states, I think Oregon being one of them, sort of exploit these loopholes um, in ways that. Um, were not intended by the original rule, but aren't really uh, questioned or enforced widely. So that would be an action um, that folks can take to support Leanne, which is to write to a member of Congress or to the EPA directly and say, hey guys, um, let's change this lead and copper rule to clarify you know, exactly how you should test water for lead and contaminants and ensure that, that this rule is enforced so nobody can exploit it and so we don't um, have a, another situation like Flint, where um, you're testing water and it's showing everything's fine when in fact it's not fine. 
The, um, so you mentioned that you that there are people um, all over the world and from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different particular fights that they're doing. Have you seen um, a common thread throughout the different recipients, just either part of their constitution or um, a motivator for them that's allowed them to stick with something that um, is so hard and so consuming to their life and at times threatens their life? Yeah, I mean, sometimes these things are hard to put to words. Um, but when you meet these folks, you realize there is a common thread. Um, and it can sound sometimes sort of cliched or trite to try to sum it up. Um, but I, I do sense if, uh, you know, there's a certain clarity, there's a certain focus um, that someone um, who understands very clearly right and wrong and what their sort of role is, has, you know, um, you know, I guess it's one thing to identify that this is wrong and, and something should be done, and then it's another step to say, okay, well, maybe I'm the person who can help do that. Um, and then once you get into these these battles, um, they become sort of uh, um, sort of battle scarred, and they've been through all these things and ups and downs, and and they just get deeper and deeper into it. So these they're pretty pretty real in terms of the way they talk about them. Um, so there's some kind of, um, you know, moral clarity, um, and clarity of focus and of, of their, their purpose and their role and what their work needs to, to, to yield, um, you know, within these very complex situations and struggles, which are really hard sometimes to understand because there's sometimes many factors and players and policy and, and complexities and things that aren't easy to follow. Um, but there's some kind of person who, 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 who just sort of plows through all that um, and understands sort of what they need to be doing. And, um, and I guess it's some aspect of leadership or of, you know, um, vision or uh, resolve and, and perseverance, um, all these things. A lot of these folks work so hard uh, through these campaigns for years, in some cases, you know, didn't sleep, uh, didn't uh, often had physical tolls in their body from, from uh, you know, working so hard. Um, so it's a real uh, uh, determination um, to get from, from one thing to the next. Um, so I definitely saw that uh, across the board. Well, one thing that we like to ask of all of our guests is uh, a common question, and that question is, what is one thing that you would ask of your fellow human beings? I guess I would ask my fellow human beings to um, to work hard to have um, empathy toward other people. Without empathy, you can't get too far with anything, you know, you're moment to moment and day to day and, you know, big picture, it's hard to um, see beyond yourself if you don't make some effort and have some capacity to appreciate, if not fully understand, uh, the travails and challenges other people have. Um, I think, uh, you know, 
in, in my day-to-day walking around San Francisco, I see so many folks who sort of are, you know, navel-gazing. You know, sometimes you see it in, in the most literal way that, you know, you're walking on the sidewalk, you're not looking up, you're on your phone, and, uh, and there's a sense of uh, isolation from the world, and um, and maybe they're a really decent person, and maybe they do lots of great things and care, but the the way people comport themselves is is is, is very uh, sort of focused on themselves, and this times you know a million throughout you know, every place you know our 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 cities become fairly um, mean and isolated places, and then if you take that you know concrete example to a more abstract or you know, larger plane, you know, we're just focused on ourselves and, and we sometimes don't have empathy for other people's situations. Um, and uh, so I think um, there's great, uh, a great saying by um, a old Jewish uh, scholar, a rabbi called Hillel from hundreds of years ago, and maybe I'm going to paraphrase it improperly, but it's something to the effect of um, if I am not for myself, then who will be for me? If I am only for myself, then what am I? If not now, when? So I think I like it because it speaks to a sort of universal truth through all of our history is we struggle for that balance between uh, empathy and self-interest and, uh, and how that balance is crucial. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think about it a lot, um, and you can think about it in terms of just your, you know, who's standing in front of you on the sidewalk or, you know, the homeless lady at the corner or about, um, you know, the kids in school, through kids who, you know, don't have full breakfast before they go to school or, you know, bigger issues in politics and, and you know, larger issues we're all confronting and so you can take it to mean whatever you want but it's sort of for me it's it's present everywhere yeah thank you so much for that answer and um thank you for coming and chatting with us today and taking the time to um tell us about the work you do and to share some of the stories um of the work that others are doing to to help make this world a better place Thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed it.